Welcome to Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, which is a global communication skills training organization. Today I'm talking with Carrie Fox, founder and CEO of Mission Partners, a strategic communications firm and certified B Corporation that guides high potential nonprofits, foundations, and socially responsible corporations in realizing their greatest impact. Check out the episode to hear our discussion around how a single conversation changed her career aspirations, why soft skills are indeed power skills, and the difference between broadcasting and narrowcasting. I hope you enjoy. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me, Scott. Great to see you. Absolutely. Great to reconnect. If you can, Carrie, just to get us started, maybe tell the listeners a little bit about yourself your background, and what it is that you're working on today. Yeah, sounds great. So my name is Carrie Fox. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm the founder and CEO of a social impact communications firm called Mission Partners. Uh, We're based right outside of the Washington, D.C. area that we've got team members across the U.S. Um, And social impact communications. For those of you who do not know what that is or haven't heard of that phrase before, um, my team and I use communications as a tool to advance a more just and equitable and inclusive and connected world. I started my career and got into this work uh, very young. I started as the director of communications for Hall of Fame baseball player, Cal Ripken Jr. Started with him as director of communications actually when I was still in college and um, worked with him for my the first few years of my career before moving into public affairs and then had an incredible opportunity to start my own firm when I was 25 years old. I often say to people before I knew any better, but I took that opportunity and I grew that first firm called Fox Communications for about 13 years before starting Mission Partners in 2017. What we are doing today, well, we're doing a lot of things today, literally today, I just helped a client make a major announcement, um, an endowment announcement, a transformational gift that will help that organization grow. I am helping a global organization develop their executive communications plan, um, and I'm helping another organization set strategy for their work in support of a more inclusive democracy. So it's busy times over here at Mission Partners. I can imagine so. I am so looking forward to this conversation because I I talk a lot about the power of communication skills, the impact of communication skills, really primarily geared towards corporate America, so to speak, and how you can transfer those skills to the home. But I'm just really intrigued at the work that you're doing to really harness the power of communication to do good, to do good in the world, to help these organizations that really are striving to do amazing things. So first, thank you for the work that you're doing to help these organizations. And I believe Mission Partners is a certified B Corp, correct? Is that correct? Very proud to be one of only a few hundred women-owned certified B Corps in the world. Uh, And we're also a women-owned certified business. So that's something that we take very seriously, our commitment to think about building business in a way that really works for everyone, not just for the folks at the top. Absolutely. And I I will tell you, I was hit with a wave of nostalgia as you were talking about your background and working with Cal Ripken. I just remember having my Cal Ripken baseball cards growing up and just as he was going to to break the record for the consecutive games play. So I was just all those feelings coming back of trading my baseball cards and playing baseball as a kid. That was very cool. Yeah. Well, talk about a 
great communicator. He certainly is one of them. Absolutely. So we talked, you just mentioned that was a perfect segue of a great communicator. And we talk a lot about on this, this series, what does it mean to be a great communicator? What does that look like? What does it entail? And for everyone, it's a little different. So Carrie, as you hear that term, a great communicator, or this person has really strong communication skills, what comes to mind for you? The first thing that comes to mind is a great communicator can both listen and share a message that moves you. But no, it's interesting is when people talk about communication skills, often they talk about them as soft skills, but I call them power skills, right? I think about the ability to connect, the ability to empathize and understand what someone's going through or to, to feel what someone's going through and to connect with them through that, to understand one another through divides. And certainly in the world we, we live in, there are a lot of things that divide us, unfortunately. So those great communicators are the people that understand and acknowledge those divides and can use those divides as a way to bring people together. Um, so I think about a great communicator as someone who really can understand and empathize more than anything else. You bring up a great point there about really bridging those divides and bringing people together. For me, that is a hallmark of a strong communicator. A lot of times when people hear that, that, oh, this person's a great communicator, they think of somebody that can be on stage and wow an audience or they're very charismatic. But beyond just putting the message out there in the universe, it's important to understand your audience, really get their perspective. And that's where empathy comes in and being able to really gain a full picture of the person you're communicating with so that it's not just from your mouth to their ears, but it's also from their ears to their brain. And you know, understanding the other person's point of view is such a big part of that. And to do that, I think it, you have to rely heavily on listening. You know, so, so from your experience and your perspective, what are some ways that you really hone some of these skills of listening and understanding, trying to bring people together? So there is a great uh, book by a um, pollster and researcher named Frank Luntz. And the, the uh, subtitle of his book is, It's Not What You Say, It's What People Hear. And I think about that all the time, how true that is, that Scott, you could have the greatest message ever. I could have the greatest message ever. But if I'm not connecting with my audience, that message does not matter. And so it absolutely starts with understanding who is your audience, what do they care about, whether you're talking to an audience of one or an audience of a thousand, understanding what's on their mind before you enter the room or before you start your speech, before you make that pitch that's gonna be mission critical to your ability to move your message forward, right? To make sure that someone can in fact hear you. Because sometimes I think people, um, they, they take for granted how important the listener is in the, develop, in the delivery of the message. The other thing you just said that stuck with me is in today's world that we live in, in the social media world that we live in and, and the way that so many people receive and share information, it often is a one-way communication street, right? We say, we've got a message we wanna get out there and we are going to broadcast it across all of our channels. And that's gonna mean that people hear it. The reality is that doesn't mean that the people that you want to hear it will hear it and do something about it, right? So I often talk about the difference between broadcasting a message, literally just pushing your message out there to the masses and narrow casting a message, which is, understanding who your audience is, 
understanding what matters to them and how they will best receive and hear that message, and then delivering it in a way that actually you can build a deeper relationship through the delivery of your message. So there's a big difference there. I love this concept of broadcasting versus narrow casting. And I will be, I'm embarrassed to say that I never actually thought about the word broadcasting before in the sense that yes, you're putting it out broadly. As soon as you said narrow casting, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. So <laughs> right. you want to make sure that the message that you're putting out there is getting to the right people. You got it. Because if you think about communication, for the most part, when you're communicating, you're doing it with a goal of accomplishing something, whether it's getting somebody to buy your product or service, getting somebody to buy into your message or your cause, getting moving somebody to action, to donate, to get involved, whatever it may be, to get your kid to make their bed, whatever it is, when you are communicating, you're ultimately, you have a goal in mind. So it really is understanding what's the goal, who should I be, be, be messaging to, and then thinking about that audience and how my message will be received. For many folks, people think about communications as this tack on to the strategy, right? We're going to have this big announcement. The communications department is going to, is going to get it out to the world, but it's really hard to manage or to measure communications. And mm -hmm. so folks often default to thinking about um, how many people read the press release or how many people clicked on the link. The reality is there are a lot of deeper ways to measure engagement. Did my child actually make the bed? You know, did someone take the offer of the job that we were promoting? Um, but thinking about really deeply, how can we measure? And there are many, many ways to measure the deep effectiveness of communications. I think that's an area a lot of people just gloss over. They are, they're like, okay, the press release is out. The website is refreshed. I press send on my LinkedIn post, whatever it may be. And yeah, people click, they like, they engage, whatever. But really going that next layer beyond that to understand the impact of that yeah, and then start to think right. about the ROI of your messaging, all those different areas. But it is, I think so, a lot of people simply look over that, they push their communication out there, step away, they press send and that's it. And not really thinking about, did I get my message to the right audience? Did they truly hear what I was intending to put out there? And then are they moving to action? Carrie, as you think about you know, the work that you're doing, the folks that you're interacting with, the goals you're trying to accomplish or help them accomplish, what are some of the key skills that you're seeing that are either maybe lacking or really important in the organizations that you work with today or just the broader business environment? And so if I think about people who are listening that are the business leaders, that are the HR managers, that are the sales directors, the individuals who are helping to advance the work of so many different organizations that are listening today. We have this opportunity and communications is our tool to acknowledge the, the norms that we use today in business, right? To acknowledge what we as a business are contributing to and to acknowledge the opportunities we have to create better outcomes for the world that we're part of, but also for our employees. So I think if we think about what communications or soft skills are needed in business today, certainly it's the ability for the leadership team to empathize and to understand what is my team feeling in this moment? Am I taking regular pulse points of how my team's mental health is? Am I taking regular pulse points of, does my team have the ability to do their work in this virtual or remote environment? 
So again, it comes back to that listening and then understanding what you can do with what you hear. And on this idea of status quo, a lot of the way that that businesses operate and communicate, it is status quo. We, we do it because it's the way it's always been done. We have our, our employee manual that we update once a year and we push back out. What would happen if on that employee manual, we had an open comment period next time and we asked for different kinds of feedback and we understood our employees using the benefits we want them to use and do they understand how to access them? So thinking really differently about not just pushing the communications out every year, but are the communications working? Are they supporting our commitments as a business? It's so important to get the pulse of the organization from those feedback tools or just simply having open dialogue sessions. And in order for those to be successful and to get the type of feedback prior to that, you, you really had needed to create a culture where people feel comfortable sharing. So I think that, that that's a big part of it. You could put all the polls out there you want. You could put all of the questions out there, have all these great town halls or forums. But if you haven't really created that culture of it's okay to raise your hand and say, I'm not okay, or it's okay to raise your hand and say, you know what, I think we should be doing this differently. Here's why. Mm -hmm. Setting that environment is a groundwork of success so that people will come to you when there are challenges or will feel comfortable bringing new ideas. Oftentimes the new ideas, the best way to do things are coming from the employees that just are experiencing it day in and day out. So, you know, what if we tweak this a little bit? So yeah, it's so important to get that in our company meeting that we just had, we had a, a session, just what are we hearing? We want to know, you know, from my perspective, our head of product, we're not in front of clients every single day. We're not getting all of this. So we had this open session. You know, what are you hearing? What should we be thinking about from product strategy, positioning, all these things. And fortunately we have that culture where people are going to raise their hand and say, here's, here's some different things we need to think about. So we can take it back and mull it over and figure out what do we do with it? So I think that is so important. And I love what you said about just talking to your employees and asking, you know, finding out how they're doing. And on my one-on-ones, a lot of times I'll just, you know, I'll say, if I kick it off and say, how are you doing? How are things going? They go, oh, good, had a great weekend. And then they want to jump into business. I'll, I'll stop. I say, no, how, how are you doing? How are, I know it's been kind of crazy these past couple of years. We're running a mile a minute how are you doing? And it's amazing the things that you'll hear. And then as, as their leader, you can start to figure out how do I maybe need to change or adapt my style, whatever we're doing, you know, how we're approaching work, how we're approaching the work day to really get, get the best out of everyone, because everyone on your team is going to be a little bit different. They're going to be in a different scenario. They have different challenges. They have different stressors. Understanding that will absolutely help you achieve success in the long term for your organization and for the individuals. And I want to reinforce that point that the, the need or the opportunity for managers to ask the question and really care about the answer. That's the difference between talking to your employees and talking with your employees. And that's the shift I think we have the opportunity to be doing in these moments that we're in is really to to listen, to understand, to listen as a way to, to practice that empathy. But of course, we should be creating space for those conversations because we spend more time at work than we do anyplace else. And so mm -hmm. we want to make sure that work is a place that we can have those conversations. Definitely. And as a leader, it's important to model 
those behaviors. So that if the team sees me working all day, every day, never taking a day off, never taking a break, never showing any signs of vulnerability, the likelihood that they're going to feel comfortable expressing that is pretty low. And, you know, from my perspective, I'm very transparent with my team. You know, I have younger kids. One of them has an autoimmune uh, disease, which requires a lot of extra care. And there's days where I'll say, you know what, I have to take this afternoon off. I'm going to pick her up from school. She's not feeling really well. I'm just going to hang out, be available, be with her. So as you model those things, then the team is going to pick up on that, realize, okay, it is okay to just slow down a little bit if things aren't okay. And I'm a huge believer that if things aren't right at home and home is however you define it, things aren't going to be right at work. You're not going to be putting your best in. So sometimes this idea of slow down to speed up is absolutely critical. If you think about your career journey, it's just been a fascinating journey, all the different things that you touched on that you've worked on throughout your career. If you had to narrow it down to one or two skills that really have contributed to your success, what would those be? So I write a weekly column called Finding the Words. And yesterday's column, I told the story about how when I was young, I was in high school, I was heart set on becoming an interior designer. I so badly wanted to do that. I had an internship when I was 15, learning from someone and starting to be an apprentice in that role. I took a drafting class in high school and I was the only girl and was just really committed to this. And one day I sat down with my guidance counselor and she said, honey, it's not going to work out. She said, you don't have the math grades to make this work. I think if you want to design, you should go find a lighter way to do it, like communications. And I was heartbroken by that. I took her words so seriously that literally that day I shifted course. And I think a lot about what would have happened if I didn't shift course, what would have happened if I believed in myself enough to continue down that path. Um, The reality is I think it worked out. I found a way to still incorporate design into what I do. And if you were ever in my home, you would, you would see that my, my hobby now is interior design for my own, for my own home. But what I have learned is that um, one passion will take you a long way. You know, I, I may not have gone the path that I thought I was going to do when I was in high school, but I have found that I have, I have found my calling in the process of using communications as a tool to make the world a better place, to make the world the place that I envision for my children and for my children's children. Um, And so some of the skills that I hold on to is curiosity and open-mindedness, a willingness to learn something new every day. I have said many times that the day that I don't learn anything new at work, I will hang up my hat and not show up the next day because it's so important to be honing our craft and committing to learn. It doesn't mean that just because you've gotten into the CEO seat, you can, you know, sit back and start to start to uh, let the team take over. It's really about committing to continuous learning. And, and I've stuck with that since I was a kid. Really speaks to the power of communication and the power of words. The, so much so that really one conversation or one statement can change somebody's really entire trajectory and I would say that's something that I stress with my kids a lot is you know, your words have meaning, your words have impact. You really need to choose them wisely, especially now in the social media age with, with younger kids and kids in middle school and high school. It's a big challenge. So 
what I really try to stress them is the things that you say, the things that you write have an impact. Be very careful and cautious and measured with your words because you never know the impact that it can have on somebody in a negative way, but also in a positive way. Sometimes just saying hi, smiling, nodding at somebody, somebody can make a huge difference. So really understanding the power of words and ultimately, to your point, the power of passion. And lots of people are very fortunate to have found their calling, found their passion. And what I challenge a lot of folks to think about is you, you may be in a job that you aren't loving. Maybe it isn't your ultimate passion, but to try to find those things that can get you excited, you know, whether you're an accountant, a data scientist, you're in sales, whatever it is, you know, try to find something about it, whether it is this job is enabling you to live the life at home that you want to do, or this job, while directly what you do doesn't make a huge impact on the world, but maybe three levels down the chain, something that you're working on is part of something bigger that has an impact. So if you're not in that space right now where you're waking up, oh my gosh, I love what I'm doing. I'm changing the world. Really step back and go through it with a lens of open-mindedness and of gratitude to figure out, you know, how can I take what I'm doing and really find the excitement and passion in it? Carrie, who is someone from throughout your career who has influenced your communication style, whether it's somebody that you knew, somebody, a public figure, whatever it may be, who's someone that has influenced you and really what have you taken and adapted to make your own? After I left Ripken Baseball, uh, is a man named Don Foley. He, uh, he hired me when I had absolutely no, uh, no qualifications to be hired into a public affairs job. And he took me under his wing and he showed me how he communicated and um, really believed in me more than I ever could believe in myself. And in that, I think he was just an excellent communicator. He wasn't just teaching me the skills of how to prepare someone for an executive um, you know, for delivering testimony or how to do media training, which he and I now have done media trainings together for the better part of 20 years. But he really taught me the power of believing in someone. And to your point, your words matter, your body language matters, your action matters. He also told me to never apologize for your family. And coming into business as a young business owner, as a female business owner, often the only woman in a room and often the youngest person in a room, I often felt like I had to apologize a lot. I'm sorry, I'm just getting up to speed. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not yet at that position. And he said, never apologize for those things. He's like, you're there for a reason. And he made me believe that so deeply in myself. Um, fast forward several years, he actually came on and became my business partner. And now is the, is the godfather to my younger daughter. So he's a really special person in my life. And uh, his careful attentiveness and thoughtfulness as a communicator has stayed with me. And I always try to model, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best Don Foley today when I'm going into a tough meeting because I know that that will get me through. I love that. It is always so cool to hear the responses to that question. And they are very wide ranging but I just love hearing around the impact that someone's you know, first boss coming out into the work world has had on them or into a new industry. People leaders really need to realize the power that you can have on somebody's not only immediate career success, 
but long-term success. I've been fortunate to have some amazing leaders throughout my career. And I've always tried to pull a little bit from each of them always to be learning. And then some of them that maybe that weren't so great, I would learn things not to do, but to really have somebody that believes in you and that focuses on this idea that you're a person, we're people. We have this whole other world outside of the, the cubicle or the office space. And to lean into that is absolutely fantastic and very powerful. So awesome to hear that you are partners and still have that mindset today. I love it. As we wrap up here, I want to be respectful of our time together. What advice would you have for somebody that is maybe in a you know, similar situation to you where they're moving into a new industry or they are fresh out of school and they've landed a job, maybe, you know, a few rungs above what they were expecting. And maybe they feel a little bit out of their element, or maybe they shouldn't be there, so to speak, quote, they shouldn't be there. What advice would you have for them? Yeah. Well, one, you're there for a reason. There's a, a, a great thought leader and speaker um, and leader named Marion Williamson, who often says, you're where you're, you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us that wherever you are, you're there for a reason. And so think about how to make the most of that. And when it comes to communications, whether you are a communicator by trade or you're thinking about just intraday, how you need to communicate with your family, with your loved ones, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, communications can get us through that. And it's always coming back to how do we use those skills of listening and learning? And like Frank Luntz says, it's not what you say, it's what people hear to make sure that we're using every day as a way to find new ways to connect with one another, right? It's a big global world, but at the end of the day, what we always say is, oh, it's a small world. Think about all the connections we have. <laughs> How wonderful it is when we make those connections. And so that's, that's, I think, something to hold on to for all of us is that we always have a day. Every new day that starts is an opportunity to make a new connection, to use communications as that tool. Couldn't agree more. And when it feels like it is a small world because of all the connections, that doesn't happen by accident. You have to be intentional with your communications, with your willingness to get out there and connect with, with people. Similar to me, the, the concept of luck. 95% of luck is because people have been working hard day in and day out for years, and then it happens similar with, with communications and making connections and really being able to bring people together. It doesn't happen overnight. Your network's not going to grow exponentially overnight. Work at it day in and day out, value people, value connections, and make an effort at it. It does take effort not only to make connections and build relationships, but to sustain them. You know, so staying in touch with people from throughout your career and throughout this entire journey it's so, so important because at some point it's going to come back around where either they're going to be able to assist you, you're going to be able to assist them, and it'll just have such a positive impact on your life. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Really did enjoy our conversation. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you as well. Take care. A special thanks again to my guest, Carrie Fox. As embarrassed as I was to admit that I had never really thought about the meaning of the word broadcasting, Carrie hit on a critical point about understanding your audience with her term, narrowcasting. As she mentioned, it's not what you say, it's all about what people hear. 
So if you don't take the audience into account and are simply focused on getting your message out as broad as possible, there's a good chance you will miss the mark with your communications. As always, if you haven't done so, please be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can be notified of new episodes. Thanks and have a great day.